I was a hot flaming mess on wheels. And why? Because my gremlin was large and in charge, running the show, my self-confidence was in the tank, and I wasn't proactively creating my life. My life was really creating me. On this episode of the Creator Community, we'll meet Rochelle Kitchen, a life and transition coach, former industrial engineer, and mother. We'll hear how Rochelle, like so many, are conditioned from a young age to let others determine what's right for them. How we can consistently quiet the doubts or gremlins in our own minds and live a life of purpose and growth. We'll follow Rochelle's journey of traumatic events in her family that led her to reawakening to her own purpose and now writing her new book, Check out the show. Welcome to the third season of the Creator Community. This is a podcast series from book publisher New Degree Press, or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders, founder of Forward Advisory Solutions. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, New Degree Press will cross over 1,000 published authors. In the show, we get to know the authors in their books, as well as give you a behind-the-scenes look at their journey. Well, find out what it takes to bring a book from an idea to being available wherever you buy books online. It's no easy task. Nothing worth it ever is. But with the solid structure, coaching, and community, it is very much attainable. Today, I'm with me, Rochelle Kitchen. Rochelle is a certified coach and the CEO of Level Up for Life Coach, which provides coaching services to women professionals who want to boost their confidence and build a life and career that they can find meaning in. She has over 500 hours of experience as a life and transition coach, helping women overcome self-doubt by encouraging them to discover and embrace their strengths, values, and passions. And she is now a published author of her new book, Doubt Your Doubts, How to Transform Negative Self-Talk, Take Action, and Confidently Create Your Dream Life. Rochelle's book is due out mid-December 2021 and will be available wherever you buy books online. Rochelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for having me. It is great to have you. Uh, I think it's always helpful to start with a bit more about your journey and how you landed here as a published author and how your career brought you to this point. Rochelle, you, would you, can we talk a little bit more about that story? Absolutely. Well, I started my career, I say in my previous life, as an industrial engineer. And I did that for about 10 years until my youngest was born three months early, 24 weeker. And my husband at the time, we were both running for the brass rings in our career and something had to give. It just wasn't working, having a sick little one and shuttling back and forth to doctors and hospitals. And it just wasn't working. And so I often I tell the story, actually, in Doubt Your Doubts about and I'm getting ready to age myself here, John. There's this iconic perfume commercial. They were selling Anjali perfume. And I adopted this as a motto. You know, you can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan (laughs) and never let your man forget he's a man. And I literally embraced that as a motto. And when my daughter was born early, it didn't work. So, you know, fissures started to happen. So in the late nineties, I was one of two women engineers in my company. And obviously my daughter born prematurely. And I just kind of fell into an engineering consulting business because I still needed income for the family, but working full-time and going to the office wasn't working. I eventually was able to quit and be a stay-at-home mom. I threw myself into volunteer positions for political committees, um, 
friends' political candidacies, ballot measures of all sorts, shapes and sizes, heads of PTA. And then eventually I needed to rethink and go back into the workforce after divorce and decided engineering was not it and fell upon coaching. Wow. Quite a journey. Is your daughter doing better now? I hope? Oh, absolutely. That's my superstar baby. She's actually halfway through a doctoral program. At, Holy cow. Uh, yeah. Talk yeah. about resilience going in the family there. Uh, yeah. Go from that. <laughs> so coaching, what, how does, how does one become a coach? How did this become part of your life after being an engineer where we think more about sort of building, designing structure, right? How do you go from that to coaching? Well, as I said, I had stepped away from a career and from my um, business and was full, full-time mom. And this was during my, what I call my concentrated chaos years. So I woke up in my late forties, looked in the mirror, and I did not recognize the woman that was staring back at me. I certainly didn't like what I saw. I was stuck in a rut. I had been in my ratty pajamas for months And here's what was happening. Within a span of a little over two years, my dad was murdered. He was beaten in the streets of Chicago. He died from his injuries a few days later. Hmm. So while I was dealing with the criminal trial and the police on that front, my 28-year marriage was crumbling right before my eyes. I was faced with, you know, betrayal that ultimately ended in divorce My mom was diagnosed with cancer. My mother-in-law, who I adored, was diagnosed with cancer, and I was helping with her care. My youngest was leaving the nest and moving across the country. And you sprinkle in a few breast cancer scares of my own, and I was a hot, flaming mess on wheels. And why? Because my gremlin was large and in charge, running the show. My self-confidence was in the tank. And I wasn't proactively creating my life. My life was really creating me. And I always remember telling my kids, who do you control? You can only control yourself, right? And so I sought out a coach to help save my marriage. But what ended up happening instead is it saved me. I got in a better relationship with myself and I discovered that I could get paid for something that I was already doing naturally. I was the go-to person, the listening ear, and I was already doing that and I could get paid for it. That seemed pretty cool. So your own personal journey of challenges, pain, a lot of, I'm sure, tough moments in there uh, describing. I mean, that's a a lifetime worth of challenges you faced there, Rochelle. I was like in a very short period of time. Absolutely. And through that own journey of trying to process it, discover it, you hired a coach and saw, wow, this is a thing. And maybe I could do this, do this myself. Well, that's an incredible story. And Talk about resilience, clearly it's genetic in your family. That's fantastic. So how did you go from being being in this coaching world to then becoming an author? How did that happen? I always knew that I would be an author, even from my when I was a little girl. I was the little girl who was making up stories and illustrating them on loose leaf paper and using those brass little split pins. Remember those? I guess they still exist to put the pages of the the together and make it into a book. So I always knew that I would be an author. I just didn't know how. So in 2017, I was a contributor in a book, Hashtag Sisterhood Connection, A Year of Empowerment. And that really gave me the bug. Then again, in 2018, I co-authored a book, Women Thriving Fearlessly in Business. 
And then in 2019, I co-authored another book, which became uh, an international bestseller, The One Thing Every Mom Needs to Know. I was the featured expert on vision boards in that book. But while I'm proud of those projects, it never quite satisfied that itch of becoming an author. I wanted to do a solo project. So I have a ritual on New Year's Eve. I've done this with my family and I continue to do it where we write down our intentions and our goals for the following year. We save the previous years and we look at that and kind of see the learning in it, see where the misses were, what we could do better, celebrate the the wins that we had. And so I had wrote on my list, write your solo book two years in a row. And I thought there is no way in heck that I'm gonna get to the end of 2021 and have to write on that list again write your solo book. So, you know, God and the universe were conspiring in my favor all along because that November I connected with a colleague of mine, Terry uh, McDougall, and she talked to me about how she had written a book and she talked so much about Professor Custer and his program. And she connected me with Eric that very same day. A few days later, I got on the phone with him and It was like the train was leaving the station and the book was happening whether I was ready or not. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. What's really interesting there to me is this just enormous level of intentionality you take in your whole life, right? Not just uh, in your business, but in your own personal goal setting and this New Year's Eve tradition that you have. And I love that you carry on the the goals from year to year so you can look back and hold yourself and your family accountable, right? So you could say, oh man, I've been talking about this for way too long. I got to actually do something about it. And then of course, a little bit of serendipity in your networking and staying connected to people and finding an author that went through the program or being friends with an author or colleague, Terry, and learning about it. That's awesome. So was, you know, to make sure we capture all this, was there anything more to really why you wanted to write this book or why you wanted to get this out there? I know you talked about your own personal journey, but is is there more to it? The answer to that question is really multi-pronged because um, it, it really revolves around my own gremlin. My gremlin can be vicious. It's ever present. And I tell the story this one particular day My teacher called me to the front of the class to count by fives up to 100, and I messed up. And that mistake earned me a brutal public paddling in front of the entire class. And I just couldn't wait to get home and tell my grandmother what had happened. And I knew she was going to let that teacher have it. But just the opposite happened. Grandma stood me up in front of the mirror and had me practice counting by fives over and over again. Now, she didn't do that to be mean. She did it to protect me from future humiliation and punishment, but it, it rocked me to my core nonetheless. And so what that, the message that that gave me was that nothing less than perfection would do, validation and self-worth came from other people. And I continue to get similar messages throughout my life. And that created, you know, those gremlin messages that I got to do it perfect or don't do it at all. And it just continued to show up for me as perfectionism. And I saw that in so many other women. I saw it in my daughter to the point where it became severe anxiety. I saw it in the clients and the women that I coached. And then the other thing that I noticed was that, and I saw as a, as a coach, once I got into coaching, was that women were being slowed down, held back and stalled because of 
the messages in that internal narrative. And in 2021, we were still talking about the women pay gaps, the women in lacking in the C-suites. And it just started to occur to me to pull some of these threads together that there might be this one thing that we're not really highlighting and talking about that is a factor as to why women have not kept pace like the stats would suggest because we outnumber men on college campuses. We, you know, apply to medical school, law school, but we hadn't kept pace. And it just kind of was a, a thing that like the, the bell went off, like, hmm, I wonder if this affects me so deeply, how this is affecting other women and how is it affecting their career? So all these challenges, this sort of self-negative talk, if you will, in, in your family and women you coached and colleagues across and started to connect all these dots and seeing these patterns, what a great uh, synthesis of all this information you came up with to see these patterns and how it was playing out, which is pay gap and, and leadership gaps and things like this. And I greatly appreciate the fact that instead of just being right, frustrated by it, angry about it, you've gone out and, you know, you've done something about it, which is write a book, created this roadmap and guidebook for others to follow. So yeah. am I right on what a gremlin is, is about the self-talk and, and how are these, these folks shaped these gremlins? Yeah. So your gremlin is that ever present narrative in your head that's telling you that you're not good enough in some way. Now, people might've heard it referred to as your inner critic, but I call it a gremlin. And it really has influenced everything for you since you came into the world, quite frankly. And it travels with you throughout your life, especially when you're stretching yourself and getting outside your comfort zone. And so our gremlins are shaped by a combination of things like cultural expectations, family views, life traumas in my case, societal stereotypes, and our unique lived experiences sometimes create these narratives that aren't true and your gremlin is trying to convince you of its interpretation of it. And here's the thing, John, our minds want to make sense of our world and what's happening to us. So we tell ourselves stories all the time. And usually these stories impact everything we experience from our relationships, our physical health, and whether or not we reach our personal professional goals, right? And so as I explained in Doubt Your Doubts, these made up narratives are also um, called cognitive distortions. I found that through my research. I was like, huh, I learned something. And these cognitive distortions are a form of automatic negative thoughts, ants. And they usually cloud our reality and, and they cloud it inaccurately and in a negative way. And so our gremlins are experts at this type of deception. And these cognitive distortions are our gremlins way that voice that you hear in our head, it's in its wheelhouse. That's how it gets at you and stops, stalls, or stops you. So were you aware of cognitive distortions before you went about this journey, or is this something that came out of your research? It, it came out of my research. Now, I have a five-week program about gremlins, and I knew there were certain kind of tactics that gremlin used, but I hadn't really made the connection that some of them were these cognitive distortions. So I thought that was really cool. And of course, I plan to go back and up-level my five-week program to reflect some of the things that I learned in the research. This is a five-week coaching series that you offer. You're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really fascinating. So you set out to write a book about overcoming your inner voice and learned that there was a bit of psychology to it, that you yeah. how the mind works that you dig, dug into. Yeah. That's awesome. So your book, Doubt Your Doubts, right? You know, 
Why is it important, you think, to doubt your doubts? That is a loaded question. <laughs> and there is a great visual inside um, the book that explains really why it's so important to doubt your doubts. It, it really speaks to one of the main themes and premises of the book. And, you know, if you are going to be living and cultivating a growth mindset, you're going to need to move outside of your comfort zone, you know, where you feel safe and in control and into what psychologists term as the learning and the growth zones, where you're going to be able to live your dreams and aspire to your personal and professional goals and set new goals for yourself. And in order to do that, you're going to have to learn to navigate the fear zone. And the fear zone, by definition, is scary, uncomfortable, but this is your gremlin's domain. It reigns supreme in the fear zone. And so this zone prevents most people from ever leaving their, their comfort zone. And the fear zone is where your gremlin uses its most loudest bullhorn, its most skillful shenanigans and tactics to achieve its goal, to get you back into your comfort zone. So as we stretch ourselves, no matter your level of success, you can be an Oprah or the guy who's running the newsstand, wanting to open a second newsstand. You're going to always run up against that gremlin in the fear zone. But if you are willing to be uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and learn how to doubt your doubts, you can you know, rise above it and really move into the learning and growth zones where you're going to be living your best life. So the growth and learning is, is where we survive, but we've got to get through this valley of death. I think it sounds like to me where the gremlin is screaming at you. Stop, get back to yeah, the comfort stop. zone. Don't right? do that. You're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Nobody's going to listen to you. All the things that shake us and make us feel not good enough and therefore we don't try or we hide or we avoid or we procrastinate. And sometimes if that narrative in your head is intense enough, it can cause anxiety, stress, sometimes suicidal ideations, or worse, suicide. So if I'm in the fear zone, Rochelle, and I can't seem to break out, and I've just, or excuse me, in the comfort zone, and I keep, uh, I, every time I dip my toe into the fear zone, it really sends me into panic, and I can't seem to get, up, get through it, what do I do? The, the best thing you can do for yourself, you can't go to zero, from zero to 60 all at once, is practice getting outside of your comfort zone. Small, little things. Don't wait until maybe you want to speak in front of a room of a thousand people. There's no way that you're going to be able to go from not being seen all the way there. So what you want to do is just practice getting outside of your comfort zone and other areas of your life. And the more you practice it, the easier it will be for you because you'll have some success and you'll be able to point to that, that, hey, I did that and it, it didn't, I didn't die <laughs> and I can do it again and keep repeating that pattern. So it's just, just practice getting out of your comfort zone in small little ways and then try something a little bit bigger than the last time and just keep doing it. Incremental change, challenging yourself to make marginal incremental change and see how it feels and, and build from there, you know talked about public speaking in front of a thousand people early in my career. Uh, I spent a lot of time publicly presenting. I don't know how many public presentations I've done, like 
thousands over, over my life, certainly hundreds. And one of the things I found as an incremental sort of benefit to me was before I'd go on stage, I would walk through the audience and try to connect with people and start to tell a little bit of my story that I was going to present mm-hmm. on stage. And I found that one, a way to connect with that audience member. So maybe I could then call them out during the presentation, but two, just saying the words in front of a stranger, if you will, I found to be immensely helpful to me just to make me feel more comfortable. Exactly. So, That's exactly it. You hit the nail on the head. Instead of getting up there cold, you then probably felt like, oh, I've got some buddies and some allies in the audience and I can connect with the audience through those people, even though it probably was a little uncomfortable for you to go up and talk to random people about what <laughs> you were going to say. But that made it easier for you then to get up on stage and talk to that bigger audience. And I don't even recall where it came from. I think just wanted to sort of tell my story and it gets sort of comfortable with it. And it ended up being a huge benefit to me in in that part of my career, which was Mm -hmm. fantastic. Uh, So when you think about this, this fear zone, learning and growth, like what are, you know, what's, what are some benefits from getting into that learning and, and growth zone that you've seen in your work and life coaching? Yeah, there is a wonderful story in the book about S.B. Rawls, and she talked about how she was hiding like for decades because she grew up in this very conservative Jewish um, household and community and her teachers, her peers, everyone, the way they interacted with her and the way they treated her sent her the message that she was just too weird. And, And those repeated messages of her that her true self was somehow wrong, unacceptable. It it was just unsafe to be seen, right? And so she basically plastered over who she was at her core. And, you know, she was always trying to be something that she really wasn't. And you can't sustain that. And so she told this wonderful story about the 18 karat gold Buddha that was discovered at this monastery. And she talked about it in terms of a parable for her own life and what we could learn for from it for the readers. And so what happened is that this gold Buddha had been plastered over because the monks at the monastery wanted to um, save it from thieves. And so they wanted to move it from the monastery that it had been at for years into this, you know, really prestigious place in Bangkok. And so when the movers got it all rigged up, the rigging broke and the Buddha fell and it chipped. And so when the movers were trying to you know, assess the damage, they're shining flashlights and they see this glittering gold. And then they start to peel back the gold of the Buddha and realize, oh, my goodness. There's a 18 karat gold Buddha under here. And so SB talks about how we, because we don't have awareness of our gremlin and we're taking on the opinions of other people, she was buying into the stories of the people in her community that she had plastered over her beautiful, brilliant self. But from this, and now that she has awareness about what has happened, she can lovingly and gently and kindly remove the plaster to expose her own brilliance underneath her core self. And that's another benefit to doubting your doubts. You live authentically. And it takes so much energy to not live authentically, doesn't it? When we're not being our true selves, it literally is a drain on us physically, emotionally, psychologically from day to day. So to have that level of breakthrough is just extraordinary to giving people freedom in their lives and to go through lives in a healthy and energetic way. So any thoughts on what were the keys for her in, in that breakthrough? Did she? Yeah, she she is also a coach and and she started to do her own 
gremlin work and realize, wait a minute, some of the stories that are I'm telling myself are not my stories. They belong to someone else. And what she discovered, in essence, she was living the life of someone else. That she wasn't living the life that she wanted to live. And just having that awareness, doing the work, noticing when those messages would try to halt her in her tracks and she could stop and say, wait a minute, is this really true for me? And instead of, I tell my clients this all the time, instead of reacting to a situation, you get to choose to respond. And that is so much more empowering than the knee-jerk reactions from these inaccurate messages that we hear in our head. So much more empowering. Taking the time to pause and really questioning that voice in our head. That is, I, I wonder how often... I don't think that's a common thing that we all just sort of have a reaction to, right? No, we think if we're feeling this way or we're thinking this way, there must be truth to it. When really, no, the science says that I think there's, we have like 20 some thousand thoughts in a day and 85 to 90% of them are negative. And then of those, 90% of those are thoughts that we had the day before and the day before that. And it's slanted to the negative and we never question it. And we act habitually on inaccurate information. And if we don't do something about it, it just keeps lingering, if you will, and sort of eating away at us more and more and more and keeping us in that fear zone. You know, any lessons for you or examples for you, Michelle, as you went through this book journey and and how how it changed you or how it helped you in your own life and career? Oh, gosh. Now, I thought I was prepared because I know about gremlins, right? I teach it. My gremlin was fierce during the writing process. You know, it's not easy to share your work and have someone critique it or give you their opinion, namely, you know, my editors. Now, I wasn't surprised by that, but what I kind of actually braced myself for that. But what did amaze me is that it really didn't feel like a critique, When I had awareness about the dynamic that was going on between me and the menace of my mind, the the critiquing didn't feel like a critique. And in fact, it actually was rewarding and felt more collaborative. I can embrace it from that perspective, especially with my developmental editor. I could never have imagined how much deeper and richer the stories became because I knew the dynamic of my gremlin and that it wasn't any feedback that I was getting was not, you know, a judgment or a a tick against me. It was really in service of me and the work that I was doing. And so my editors were just great in asking questions that got me to probe deeper, got me to be able to tell my gremlin, Rachel, to shut up and sit down. I got this. And really that coupled with the writing style recommendations and the tips and the training around the writing process, I feel like I've become a better writer, a better storyteller. And that in essence helps me to be a better coach and trainer. And so that is what really surprised me that there was just so much more deeper learning because I knew what was going to happen with, with my gremlin. But the, the writing process was richer versus when I initially started this, like, oh, my God, this is going to suck. And you hear that from other authors and how am I going to do it and blah, 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 blah. All the stories I was telling myself. Who's ever going to read this book, right? This exactly. Kind of, exactly. 
So through your own writing journey, it sounds like you lived the journey that your book talks about, which is being willing to question yourself, being willing to take critique as it is information or insight as opposed to criticism and build from there rather than go into this world of self-doubt. That is fantastic. Yeah. Even when the self-doubt and I hit my head on the desk, like, oh my God, I don't even know what this book is about. It doesn't make any sense to anybody but me. My kids, my clients were mirroring back to me what I had taught them. Well, is that really true? Is Or is that your gremlin talking? Well, okay. <laughs> so you knew. So, so now that you've taught others, they're actually using these same tools and resources back yeah. to you. That is fantastic. So when you think about the book, Rochelle, you know, what is a key message or lesson you want readers or hope readers take away from it? You know, I most want the reader to challenge their thoughts. Don't take what they're thinking and feeling at face value. Challenge the stories that you're telling yourself. We all have a gremlin. We will all face some form of negative self-talk when we are putting ourselves out there, when we are stretching and growing. And so I'm really hoping that the book will be a guide to help women especially just to turn over all the rocks and discover some of those long established, even habitual belief that they've been acting on probably most of their life. And that has created self-doubt for them. And I really want them to realize through the women's stories in the book where their own gremlin messages might be hiding so that they can benefit from doubting their doubts. And I'm hoping that it will give them a roadmap to boost their own confidence and the self-belief so that they can wholly embrace their strengths, what they're passionate about, their values, and really create a life that they love. Live their best life is what I'm hearing, right? And, you know, a yeah. roadmap tools to get out of that comfort zone, to get through the fear, to get to the place where we can learn and grow and, you know, close that pay gap that you referenced earlier. Yep. So this is uh, sounds like a mission to me of, of helping, empowering just an army of folks out there and, and women to, to grow. You talked about your goals. What, what are you thinking about for 2022 now that you're beyond this book? What are your, some of your big goals and aspirations now that the book is going to be out there very soon? Yeah, so I've got a big speaking gig on Friday. I'm going to be speaking to a room of a couple hundred women. And I really want to use the book as a springboard to launch the speaking arm of my business. I, I got a paid speaking gig later this month. Now, while the pay is not the ultimate goal, but it's a paid speaking gig. And so that's one of the things that will go on my list for 2022 to be a paid speaker. And then I want to do a TED Talk. I want to do a TED Talk that does so well that it ends up on the Big TED website. Yeah, so those are some of the things that I'm I'm noodling. Awesome aspirations for the book for twenty for publishing in twenty twenty two and beyond. Rochelle Kitchen has thrown down the gauntlet. Wants to be wants to get a TED Talk out there. I love it. And you know your message is a powerful one. So many of us live in that comfort zone in our lives and never get through that valley of fear and, and move on to living these beautiful lives that we want to live. And, and when we can get there, we live more energized. We live happier lives. We re respect and respond better to those interactions around us. And I think have better relationships with people. So this is really Absolutely. about so many aspects of our life and what a powerful message you have to share with folks out there. Rochelle, thank you so much for sharing that message with us today. You're so very welcome. If people want to learn more about you and your book, where, where might they go? 
Yes, they can go to my website. It is levelup4life.coach and they can find out more about me, my book and my coaching. And they might even find, find this brilliant uh, praise quote that a, a person was nice enough to write for you about your book. I, I wanted to just share. I thought this uh, was a great one. Doubt Your Doubts is an incredibly personal read. It illustrates life lessons that so many women need to hear by sharing deep and powerful stories. Rochelle's book is authentic with a strong inner voice and a must read. Val Sparrow, co-owner of the Centered Life uh, Centered Life for Therapy, founder of The Centered Entrepreneur. Uh, what a great quote. How did, how did it feel to get that back from Val? I was really humbled because I admire Val so much. And, you know, she's she's a therapist. She helps women live a centered life, live their best life. And so to have her say that about the book really meant a lot to me. So powerful. What a great, uh, a, a great moment in your life and, and your career. And boy, it sounds like you're you're just getting started here and many great days ahead. Yes, this is book one of a series of two more, of three total. <laughs> Plus, there's two other books that you know that are just dear to my heart that I want to write to. So I, I can't wait. Well, this one is coming out in just a couple of weeks. Doubt your doubts. How to transform negative self-talk. Take action and confidently create your dream life. It'll be available this December 2021 wherever you buy books online. Rochelle, thanks again for being on the show. Really a pleasure to have you here. And thank you so much for having me, John. And thank you for the work that you're doing, highlighting authors and their messages. You're very kind. I appreciate that. I'm your host of the creative community, John Saunders. Keep moving forward. 